Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include some pumpkin trivia, my interview with Polensky Battle Green's Marty Green on the Fed's calculations and path of policy moving forward, and what rates did ahead of the start of the Fed's latest meeting. Thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, Candor Technology, home of the One Touch Underwrite, supporting lenders from point of sale to post-close QC to reduce repurchase risk, increase underwriter productivity by 400%, and decrease turn times by 10 days. Forget about layoffs, salary cuts, and revenue problems. There's extra leftover candy in the lunchroom. Uh, do we still have lunchrooms? I hope so. And Thanksgiving will be here before you know it, and with it comes pumpkin pie. Yes, I know this is a mortgage commentary, but even pumpkins have their share of regulation and controversy too. Pumpkin is a variety of squash belonging to the Cucurbitaceae, oh goodness, or gourd family, which also includes melons and cucumbers. The FDA allows for sweet squash blends to be sold under the label of pumpkin. Libby's, for one, uses 100% Dickinson pumpkins in its Libby's Solid Pack Pumpkin, not squash. Although pumpkins and squash are very closely related, Libby's denied that it ever used a blend of various squashes in its popular canned pumpkin. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show Polonsky Bottle Green's Marty Green to talk about the Fed's calculations and path of policy moving forward. He has more than 30 years of high-level experience in the legal banking and financial services industries. Leading Polonsky Bidal Green's Dallas office, he advises clients on navigating the complexities of the latest regulations governing residential lending. Earlier in his career, he was executive vice president and general counsel for Dallas-based CTX Mortgage Company, then the country's largest non-bank residential lender. He was also special counsel at Baker Botts, a leading international law firm. So we've seen rates rise over the course of the year, but rates have risen a lot in the last month or so as people try and predict kind of this terminal Fed funds rate. And I think the latest estimates are that it'll land somewhere around 5%. What are the current calculations going on by the Fed on how much more tightening the economy can take? You know, I think they're looking at a whole lot of data points. Some of them are very consistent in terms of looking backward. And so they're going to continue to show some inflation uh, that's elevated, that's going to make them very uncomfortable. I think some of the data points that they're going to be seeing are going to actually say uh, what the Fed's been doing has has had uh, the desired effect, I think, particularly as it relates to housing, which is a pretty significant uh, portion of the, the Fed's uh, inflation analysis. So I think they're going to see some mixed things there, but I think the top line number is still going to make them very uncomfortable. And so they've continued to set the the stage for another pretty robust uh, increase of 75 basis points. And so I think that's kind of what the market's uh, factoring in. And and I think that's what the data is telling them is necessary now. But I think they're starting to see at least some additional data points that may be calling that into question. So we're hoping they're going to start paying some attention to that as well. Yeah, and it's a very, you know, it's qualitative to a large degree because the Fed knows that their rate hikes and tightening a monetary policy has a certain lag, anywhere from three months, six months, nine months to, to have the real effects and ramifications of that policy uh, be clear. 
to the economy. So how do the kind of qualitatively, how do you think the Fed is is saying, well, we've raised it this much, here's been the effects, here's how much we can raise it, here this would be prohibitively restrictive. How do how do they kind of take that science and make it an art? You know, they I I think it's uh it's it's again, it's cross it's it's gonna be making some judgments on it. It was interesting. Paul Krugman was uh commenting on that recently and then I think it was in the New York Times about how some of the traditional measures that the Fed has for looking at inflation may not be particularly instructive this time around. And uh and so it's going to be a, as you say, much more of an art than a science for them to to navigate this because if they just follow the numbers uh, or some of the traditional numbers the way they have historically, they're almost certainly to overcorrect, which uh, would almost certainly throw us into a deeper recession than would be necessary. So I think uh, that it's going to be a balancing of that. And I think it's going to be looking at some of softer numbers, things that they and getting a feel for how wealthy people really feel they are and how uh, how bad is the inflation biting them at a particular time. I mean, I think one thing they have to recognize is uh, if there's a shortage of things like fruits and vegetables because we have a uh, some uh, some rain issues in the Midwest or in California and other issues, uh, and, and so those drought conditions are going to make us have less produce. The, the raising of interest rates is not going to make those prices come down because it's a scarcity of product. So, and the same thing with uh, if Russia is causing inflation as a result of uh, the war in Ukraine, then I think the issue, in, and that's what's driving up the cost of energy, then the price of uh, uh, or the increase of interest rates is not necessarily going to have the same impact on that as it might otherwise if it was just solely driven by too much productivity out there that we need to sort of slow the economy down. Yeah, the Fed's had actually a really unenviable job here recently because the pandemic came out of nowhere. Uh, right. Then the Russian invasion of Ukraine, right when right when the Fed was kind of settling into their, their path of monetary policy, did not help matters either. So it's been incredibly tough for them. I don't think Jerome Powell gets necessarily a free pass, but it, it's certainly been a lot of events out of the ordinary. What's the reaction of your clients been here over the course of the year as, as rates have risen? And, and we've seen really, I guess, the toughest toughest side of the origination business since uh, probably 2009 to 2011. But even back then, we had refinances. So what are your clients saying? What's the sentiment? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think that initially they the thought was from a lot of the clients was they wanted them to get to the uh to a stabilized rate more quickly. So they wanted those rate rate increases at a pretty fast pace. I think now uh what they're seeing is is that they've had that desired effect. I mean, what we've seen is a, a pretty abrupt slowdown in terms of just the sale of homes and uh and just what the market is doing. Uh, today. And I think that as a consequence, you have to understand the Fed's medicine has actually worked with respect to that. You're no longer seeing price uh, adjustments going up. You're seeing them actually, if anything, coming down, at least modestly in most markets or in some markets. Um, so I think that they the feeling from them is that the Fed's actions have had the desired effect. And it's, it's really time for them to stop at this point with respect to it, just because it, again, at least as it relates to the mortgage industry and the housing industry, uh, that it's it's had the desired effect. And again, it's important to remember that that's probably somewhere between 35 and 40% of the inflation number is housing. 
So if it's had the desired effect on housing, that's going to reverberate through the system. But as you said earlier, that takes some time for it to really be felt in terms of how the numbers look. Uh, And so the Fed needs to be patient with that and maybe give some time for the medicine to sort of take hold. Yet it isn't black and white because home prices may start to moderate or even decline in some cases. Well, we're seeing... energy prices skyrocket because of the the events going on in Europe and Russia. So so it's not like uh you know if the Fed raises interest rates it's going to have a, a unilateral effect across different sectors of the economy. I want to talk about the mortgage industry specifically though. Where does the mortgage industry go from here? I don't know anybody that wants to purchase a home with a 7 plus percent interest rate. Well, fine. you know it's interesting. It, yeah, it's interesting, Robbie. Looking at that, um, it seven percent sounds so high. Partly because you're coming so quickly off of them being two and a half and three percent. If you look at it in a more historical perspective, seven percent is not that uh, far off of what the average has been. Certainly over the last twenty years, and there were certainly many periods where it was a lot higher than seven percent. I think the the problem today is that it's not just that you have that increase from 3% to 7%, but that you also have dramatic price increases over the last couple of years. And it's that combination that's really making people say, wait a minute, this is no longer affordable for me. And that's where it's become going to become problematic. So I think the slowdown is here uh, for, you know, at least for the foreseeable future, because rates are going to remain elevated and may go up somewhat from here. Uh, before we we get any kind of relief, but the market will adjust to that. They it always has in the past, and then people will have reasons to move, reasons to buy houses, and we may continue to also see some price adjustment that's kind of uh, sort of balances some of that out, uh, and then people will move also to maybe doing some more uh, arms and other products like that that may give them a little bit of relief at least in the short run uh, from the higher interest rates. And I guess a silver lining would be there's incredible elasticity of demand when it comes to refinancing. Everybody that got a, a loan this year at a rate above 5%, the second rates drop back into the four range. There's going to be a whole host of refinances. You'll uh, definitely, yeah, you'll definitely see those refinances come along for sure. What do you think the Fed has learned from this tightening cycle? As we said, there are a lot of you know, conflicting factors going on. And and it's not like if you raise rates, the the desired policy outcomes are going to to happen immediately or or in a a linear fashion. So what do you think the Fed has learned? I I think it's too soon to know that they've really learned anything, frankly. I think that because uh, one of the, they may be learning patience. I'm, I'm hoping that's one of the lessons that they're learning. I think they understood that they're behind the curve on what their initial assessment of inflation was. So that's certainly something that they learned. But I, I think the other thing that they may be learning, uh, but the lesson may not be there completely, is there's an imperfection of the tools that the Fed has in terms of interest rates fighting inflation because all inflation doesn't uh, isn't the same. And that's kind of what the Paul Krugman article I was referring to earlier was was making the case for is that it it. Uh, this may be a unique case where those tools are particularly imperfect and the Fed may need to rest uh, to re- recognize that not to unduly force us into a more severe recession than is necessary. Did he suggest any more perfect tools that the that, that might exist in a Fed utopia? 
What, what he indicated is that the Fed may need to be less formulaic and maybe need to look at more factors uh, and and be be cognizant of some of the other things out there uh, in terms of the data points that may uh, be more forward thinking and a little less backward looking. And as we move forward here, the Fed has been dominating headlines with what are they going to do? What do the minutes say? What are the remarks from the Fed officials? Do you see that continuing to dominate the rate narrative into 2023? Are there are there other factors going on out there? I, I think they are definitely that that's going to continue to be very, very uh, forward in terms of everyone's thinking, because we're trying to figure out where does the Fed going to stop? And right now, what the Fed is trying to tell markets is that they're not they don't see a place where they're going to stop in the immediate windshield today. Uh, it may be further out in the future as to where they stop. I do think that they're probably going to start giving us some signal that they're going to be slowing down in terms of the pace of those increases. And I think that the market will welcome that news, if nothing else. But I think one of the reasons that the Fed has been so consistent in their narrative is they wanted to squelch uh, the feeling that they were going to immediately pivot anytime soon and that we would see rate reductions on the horizon because that's not what their uh, sort of what their forecast is telling them today. The Fed's also been pretty mum on if it will engage in active mortgage-backed security sales. Yes, we've seen some runoff from the balance sheet, but they haven't addressed it specifically. Do you have any thoughts on on if they they may engage in that uh, next year? I think that they're going to, that's something that they can do behind the scenes. And actually, if they wanted to uh, impact interest rates a little bit differently, that would be an area where they have some flexibility that they could, uh, you know, make some changes, uh, tweak some things, and perhaps either increase that runoff or decrease that runoff in a way that uh, they could do so behind the scenes without necessarily impacting rates directly. You know, what is the public want to hear about the Fed? You know, it's it's interesting. Well, I think that our market, if you look at just the mortgage market, what they want is some hope that they're about to stop with with this, uh, you know, uh, continued sort of charge toward higher interest rates. Um, I mean, one of the things that we're trying to, you know, Com- communicate is we do think the Fed is off base here at some point. Maybe that's something we could we could add a question about. But I think that they've they've already probably overcorrected because again, you, if you look at what the markets are actually doing, they've already slowed down. At some point, you know, one of the things I think of is you can throw enough cold water on it. At some point, you make it cold, and then at some point, you just make it wetter, right? And I think they're kind of at that point where they if throwing additional cold water on it's just going to probably make it wetter, but it's not necessarily going to cool it off a whole lot more. That's a good point. And and the Fed, you know, they're in a tough spot because if you get back to deflationary times, economists like deflation even even less than inflation, even less oh, than absolutely. high inflation, because who wants to buy a good this month when it's going to cost less next month? So everybody just sits on the money and and does nothing. I think, I think we're getting towards that point from the fed's action. Well, we may be and again it's 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 interesting because you know by making how what they're really doing is making housing more expensive but they're only making housing more expensive for the people who haven't yet bought a house. 
I mean, you know, the 65% of the people that are already locked in at three and a half percent already bought their house. The, the housing inflation number doesn't impact them. It impacts the people who are renting and the people who are going to be buying in the next six months or a year. Um, so it's a, it, and yet their inflation calculation really imputes a number that is supposedly applying to everyone. Well, it really isn't. Um, so it's, it's, it's a bizarre bizarro world in a way uh, because what they're trying to do is reduce inflation by raising the price of the most expensive thing that people spend money on. That's an interesting point. And isn't it that it's only owner's equivalent rent that gets factored into inflation rather than home value? So there's there's a further disconnect there? That's right. Because I I mean, whatever I paid for my house was locked in when I bought my house in 2010. It's not, it's not impacted by what housing prices have done in my neighborhood in terms of my actual cost. Now it would be if I rented it out. So if you're trying to, what they're trying to do is approximate that. And that's one of the things that Krugman says that may be throwing their calculus off pretty significantly. I, I have faith that Jerome Powell is a smarter individual than, than I am. So I hope he that- is. And I think that maybe that's the one thing we could say is that, yeah, they, they are smart and they, they do have the ability to change. Uh, you know, we saw them change and, and say it was go from transitory to saying, no, we now are concerned about it being embedded. But, you know, one of the things that, again, that Krugman talked about in his article was the fact that there is some evidence that a lot of what they it was building up on this was transitory in the sense that you're now seeing uh, cost of lumber come down. You're seeing other things that that were higher uh, in terms of, you know, just the supply chain issues getting resolved and other things like that that were drivers of it that are getting resolved. So, well, that was emphatic how how much you agree that Jerome Powell was smarter than me, but. I won't. <laughs> He's smarter than me too, Robbie, and and you're smarter than me too, probably. I mean, uh, no, I think that there's uh, at least. Hey, and it it makes us feel better if we think that, right? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, I got to say, I always enjoy having you on. So, so this was great as always. Thank you for making the time for me. Uh, thank you very much, Robbie. Always a pleasure. Bond yields rose again to open the week, with investors awaiting this week's Fed rate decision and any clues on when the central bank will dial back the pace of hikes. There was another record inflation print, 10.7% in the eurozone, which sets the stage for Fed officials to enact a fourth straight rate hike to tame inflation. What would you do if you were a voting member? The Fed meeting comes as the U.S. GDP was slightly higher than expected for the third quarter, coming in at a 2.6% annualized growth rate and ending the streak of quarterly declines from the year's first half. Net exports were a big contributor to headline growth, as exports grew 14.4%, while imports fell 6.9%. Residential investment plummeted 26.4% on an annualized basis during the quarter, as real estate continues to adjust to the higher-rate environment. Housing and jobs drive our economy, and new home sales fell 10.9% in September, and the pace of sales is now 27.4% less than January's annualized pace of 831,000. Likewise, pending home sales fell 10.2% for the month and are 30.4% below the pace of one year ago. Manufacturing and services activity contracted for the second straight month in October due to weak foreign demand, the strong dollar, and the higher rate environment. Inflation remained elevated in September but came in near market expectations. Today's calendar gets underway shortly with Redbook same-store sales, which will be followed by S&P Global Manufacturing PMI, ISM Manufacturing PMI, construction spending, and Jolt's job openings. Day one of the two-day FOMC meeting will begin in Washington, D.C., and is expected to conclude with the 75 basis point hike tomorrow. 
We begin the day with agency MBS prices better by a quarter to three eighths and the 10 year yielding 3.94 after closing yesterday at 4.08%. Even if rates are trending in one direction, it doesn't mean they can't temporarily reverse course based on the possibility of a reversal. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Someone sent me a photo of a young couple looking at an open house. They said, we'd really like to see something a little less expensive, to which the real estate agent replied, okay, I can show you this house again tomorrow. (laughs) Thanks again to Richie May, a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. To learn more, visit richiemay.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.